And Burundi, Africa is a, a very, very small country in East Africa next to Rwanda, Tanzania, and the Republic of the Congo. And it has a population of 12 million people, if you can imagine that. And statistics show that um, there are nearly 8 billion people alive today on the planet, and one out of four people have not heard the name of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? One out of four, 25% of our country and our nation and our, our world has not heard about Jesus Christ. Think about that, that concept. Friends, as we have been preparing to go to Burundi, Africa, I want to start by telling just a short story this morning. Um, so we have been traveling and itinerating, fundraising, and getting ready to go to Burundi, Africa. And it was a couple of weeks ago, we were at a church service, and we were getting ready, and I could overhear this conversation of this mom and this little girl, and they were having a conversation about what was going to happen in church that day, uh, what, what was going on, and the mom said, oh, there's a missionary that's here, and they're, they're from Africa, and they're going to be telling us about that. And they were going back and forth, and there were some questions that the little girl was asking, and the my curiosity got the best of me, right? You ever been in one of those circumstances where you just couldn't help yourself and you had to turn around and you had to look? And as I turned around, the mom was pointing at me and said, well, right there is the missionary. Oh, friends, I have to tell you, at that very moment, it became very real that God had chosen Julene and I to go to another country and to be his hands and his feet to the people of Burundi, Africa. We believe that God has paved the way for us to be missionaries and to work alongside the Burundian Assembly of God National Church. You see, our journey's been, um, been God has been preparing us for this journey for several years. And um, through an act of obedience and hearing God's voice, we humbly stand here today in awe of all that God is doing in and through us. And we're so amazed that God is using us to be used in this country of Burundi. So for the past 12 years, we've served as missions pastors at Northridge Church in, in Marshfield, and we've had opportunity to travel around the world. In fact, we've been in over 30 countries around the world doing short-term medical outreaches and evangelism and children's and building and fundraising and all kinds of things that God has set before us. And it's been just an incredible opportunity. And it was during those years, friends, that God got a hold of our heart and said, hey, Dietrich, I'm calling you to a place. And isn't it just like God that he puts us on hold sometimes and goes, I'll, I'll let you know when it's time, right? Isn't that like God sometimes to, to pause us after he's called this? Well, friends, God has called this and we believe to go to the country of Burundi, Africa. And with all honesty, we didn't know where Burundi, Africa was two years ago. I, in fact, you can stop at when you leave church today and take a look at the map. We didn't know where Burundi was, but friends, we know today where Burundi, Africa is yes, located. Uh, again, as I said earlier, it's located next to Rwanda, Tanzania, the Republic of the Congo. It has a population of 12 million people. But the country is the size of Maryland. If you can imagine 12 million people in that small area. Burundi is the world's second poorest country with an average annual income of $648. Can you imagine that? $648 a year. Burundi is a really interesting country. From 1993 to 2006, the country went through 
a terrible period of civil war and civil unrest, and hundreds of thousands of people were killed. In fact, today the average age of the population in Burundi is 14 years of age. Can you imagine that? 45% of the country is teenagers and children. That's just crazy to me. And people ask us often, well, what, what happened? You know, what, what went on? There's two people groups, two major people groups in the country of Burundi, the Hootsies and the Tutsis. Well, that's quite a name, right? Hootsies and Tutsis. And the Hootsies were people who lived in the government in the major cities, and they believed that they were superior to the Tutsis. And the clash, the civil war erupted. It's just phenomenal, again, friends, to think that the country has that many people and has had no Assemblies of God missionaries in it since the year 2006. So Julene and I are going to be some of the very first feet on the ground back in the country of Burundi. We often get asked, well, what language do they speak there? There's three major languages. The first is French. French is spoken in business, healthcare, and government. It's a language that Todd and I are actually learning. And the second language is Kurundi. So if you think of the rural areas, Burundi, Kurundi, so the farmers and the people who harvest um, coffee and tea are the ones that are speaking Kurundi. All right, so I just have to tell this story. Julene is really the one who's practicing French and, and taking some lessons, right? And a, about a month ago, we were traveling somewhere, and she said to me as we were traveling, hey, um, Todd, do you think I should practice some French um, today as we're talking? And I said, oh, are you sure you're ready, right? I know it's... Um, yeah, um, let's just say she was not ready. So today, when she asked me if she should say a little French, I said no. <laughs> so be thankful. And then third, they are also learning English in the secondary and elementary schools. So if we really get stuck on the street and need an interpreter, I'm going to find a 10-year-old who knows a little bit of English to help interpret. The other question that we often get asked, well, what are you going to eat there? And so thankfully, there is pineapple, bananas, sweet potatoes, and a root vegetable called cassava. But the food that they really like is a food called ugali. Has anybody ever had ugali before? The kids in here, we're going to love this. It's a food that I really do not like, but it's a mixture of flour and water with very little seasoning, and it's the consistency of glue or paste. Can you imagine eating paste for dinner or breakfast every day? No, me either. <laughs> and then the other uh, question that we often get asked is, what's the religion in Burundi? And it is about 64% Christian, but I have to tell you, it's in name only. Many of the people do not attend church regularly. They go for Easter or perhaps for a baptism, but not on a regular basis. And when you think of a country about the size of um, Burundi with 12 million people, that's, there's a lot of work to be done there. And I'm happy to tell you there are 63 churches in Burundi that are of the Assemblies of God. But as I said, we have a lot of work ahead of us. And then how do I fit into this picture? Well, I'm a medical provider, and I'll be going in the areas in which they want to plant churches. So I'll be doing medical outreaches in the areas in which we want to plant the church. And then the pastor in that new church plant and his team there will be doing the spiritual side of things. So we'll work in a partnership very closely. 
So my professional background, um, as we've been missions pastors at Northridge Church, we've, all, we've also worked secular jobs, has been in banking, executive level leadership, healthcare administration, and I've been a college professor with the University of Wisconsin system for the past 26 years. And it was a few years ago that God had laid in my heart that I needed to go back to, to school and, and finish a specific doctorate degree. And Julian and I talked, and, and we, we talked for a great period of time going, oh, I really don't need to go back, and I don't need to get this certification, and all of those variables. But uh, I struggled with that, but through an act of obedience, I, I, I obeyed, and, and I went back to school. And it's one of those aha moments, again, where you look back and you go, you know, why did I have to do that? Well, friends, I, I know why now today, because as we go to Burundi, I'm going to be working to establish, if, if you can imagine this as well, the country's first ever Bible school and training center for indigenous people. Can you imagine that? Taking people who know the language and the culture, having them come to the Bible school and then go back to plant a church in their village or their town or their city that they came from. It's just an incredible opportunity that God has laid before us that we can, believe, that we can be his hands and his feet to bring the good news to the people of Burundi, Africa. So friends, God has really been preparing us for, for this journey, and, and we are calling it a journey, friends, because it is, it is truly a journey that God has called us to. Thank you, Julene. So friends, I, I want to bring to you this morning a message that I believe um, God has laid in my heart as we prepare each week in the church that we'll be in. We, we go before God and we say, God, show us, show us what you want us to, to say and what you want us to bring to, the, to, the, to your people, to your church. And this morning I want to share with you a, a very brief message. It's a very familiar story that, that you may have heard or your kids may have heard in, in kids' church. It's, the, it's a story of obedience. And really the, the story of obedience is very personal to Julian and I. And the story of obedience is the story of Gideon found in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, your, your mobile phone, and open it to, to Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. And as you're turning there, friends, I, I want to tell you this story as, as Julene and I were fasting and praying, and, and we were seeking God to show us where he wanted us to go, where he wanted us to serve. Oh, and, and friends, as I said, it's a, it's a journey. Well, I woke up one morning, I said, Julian, I just have to tell you, um, I, I, I just, I, so much last night, God laid in my heart the story of Gideon and being obedient. And I said, I, I just, I got to tell you this story. She goes, whoa, 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 Todd, like just, you, you got to, just wait. You, you're not going to believe this. But God also independently laid on my heart last night that very story of Gideon. Can you talk about a, a God thing? About how God confirmed independently both me and Julene that very same obedient story. So let, let me read for us this morning. Chapter 6, Judges, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joas the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Father, I I pray that you would take the words that you've given me and, and the words, Father, that I believe you've laid in my heart to share with your people. Father, I pray that you change the words, that you change the attitudes, that you change the action, and that these words would go forth in your power and your strength. Holy Spirit, speak to us now, we pray. We thank you for your word. Amen. We just read in in Judges 6.14, it said, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Am I not sending you? Think about that that question, that big question, am I not sending you? That's a really big question. You know this story of Gideon. and In fact, we learn from Scripture that Gideon was appointed by God. In, In fact, we know that Gideon was called to be a judge. Now, I studied this very, very much and in terms of what does that word judge or what does the word judge mean in biblical days? Often, it was a a political leader, a local hero, but many times it was a war hero. Someone who had great victory in battles and it's translated to mean deliverer. Think about that, deliverer. We, we learn as we study this portion of Scripture that God is wanting to set the Israelites free. The Israelites were brought out of slavery after 400 years of captivity. And, and God had pledged the promised land to them. And, and life was relatively good at this period of time for the Israelites. And, and they had actually become complacent as we read this par- portion of Scripture. And we see that the, the Israelites were, were actually sinning. They were, were, were beginning to turn their backs on God. Right? And, and doing some things, as we see and study this portion of Scripture, that were evil in the sight of God. If you continue to read in chapter 6, it says that Israelites did evil. Right there it is, evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he, God, gave them into the hand of the Midianites. So Israelites are, are sinning. They're, they've been taken captive by the Midianites for a seven-year period. And we know that every year the Midianites, uh, ironically at harvest time, they they come and and they pillage the village. They take the crops that were just harvested and and the women and the children and the animals and, and all of the prosperity that had happened for that previous year. But isn't it just like the Israelites, as we read in Scripture, they begin to cry out to God, God, help me. Well, God, why is this happening? From a human perspective, when we're in trouble, we always somehow find time to, to cry out to God. And we, we know during this period of time, it's, it's harvest time. We know that. We can read it in Scripture. And more than likely, the Midianites are, are planning their, their attack again, their, their pillage of the village and their crops and their women. And it, it's interesting because we see Gideon in a wine press. 
Now, I've studied this. This is really interesting. A wine press is often a very cool, damp place. It's often shaded. It, it, it's cool. It's just working conditions. And it, it, it's just something with the, the whole process, right, of, of the wine press and making wine. But he's thrashing wheat, in a wine press, which is really odd because normally when you would thrash wheat, you, you'd be on a hillside and you'd take the stalks of, of wheat and you'd shake it, right? And the wheat would fall to the ground and the wind would blow the shaft away. But we see Gideon, he, he's in a wine press. Can you, can you imagine shaking it? Like, wh- what do you think is going to happen, right? There's no wind, there's no breeze. It, 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 it's just not the right place. But as we, we continue to, to read here, we, we, we learn and we better understand Gideon's, he's hiding out. He, he's, he's hiding out. He, he, he's, he's intentionally playing it low because the Midianites are, are likely to come again. It, it's, it's harvest time and if the last seven years are true to what happened, they're coming again. And so Gideon's in, in the wine press, not ideal, right? And he, he, he's working. We know what happens in the story. An angel taps him on the shoulder. Hey, Gideon, God's got a job for you. And we hear Gideon go, whoa, like, hey, angel friend, I don't think you want me. Like, try the guy down in the next wine press, right? He's just not interested in what the angel has to say. And the angel goes, whoa, Gideon, no. I'm pretty sure God sent me to to." To you. In fact, we, we read that in scripture just a few moments ago, verse 14. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. Again, am I not sending you? Friends, I, I believe this is really a call of obedience from God to Gideon. Gideon, are, are, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to follow? Are you going to follow me? Like, as I studied this portion of Scripture, I don't, I don't see options. Like, the angel didn't come and say, hey, Gideon, would you like to? Or, hey, Gideon, here's a couple of options. No, the angel said, hey, God's calling you. Think about what God might be calling you to. As we fast forward in the, in the story in verse 36, we see that Gideon comes to terms with the calling. But Gideon goes, oh, okay, God, like, if it's really you, then I want to test this. Like, I, 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 want, I want some confirmation. Again, isn't that just like us as humans that we, we hear from God and we say, okay, God, I'll do whatever, but, 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 if you could just confirm it for me. And we know what happens. Gideon goes, okay, here, here, God, would, would you just do this for me? How about, how about, I've got, I'll lay this fleece on the floor in the wine press and, and God, if you will just make the fleece wet and the ground dry, I'll know it's really you that's calling me. We know what happens in the story, right? Gideon wakes up, boom, wet fleece, dry ground. Now, from a human perspective, Gideon's got to be going, whoa, like that was just too easy. So what do we see Gideon do again? He goes, hey, God, um, you know, hate, hate, to, hate to bother you here again, but uh, could, could you just humor me? Could you confirm one more, one more time? We know that portion of the story, right? God, could, if I could just put another fleece down, but this time, God, uh, could you make it dry in the ground wet? We know what happens the next morning. Fleece is dry. Ground is wet. Gideon, again, in that act of obedience, right, every step along the way, and, and just like humans, we say, hey, God, can you prove it to me? Can you confirm it? Can, can, you, can, you, can you help me, right? 
from a human perspective, we get all, we get all messed up, right? What, what God might be calling us to and, and how we might want to work in our hearts and our lives and we begin to, to question. But we see Gideon moving forward. He, he begins to put a battle plan together. In fact, we, we see in Scripture, he gathers an army of 32,000 men. He's doing war games. He's training. He's doing all of the things that he needs to do because he's got to bring victory through his human process. We, we know what happens. God taps him on the shoulder and he goes, Gideon, 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 what are you doing? 32,000 men? You don't need 32,000 men, Gideon. I want you, Gideon, to send home all of the men that don't want to be in the army, that don't want to be part of this war game. We saw that day that Gideon sends home, we know the story, 22,000 men. Gideon's now got 10,000 men left. Now, from a human perspective, you got to be going 32,000 men. Now I have 10,000 men? Like, like, how is that possible? But we see Gideon again being obedient, and he sends him home. He's now got an army of 10,000 men. Now, we see in Scripture, Gideon continues to train, and he, he's, he's doing his war games, right? He's got to work with what, what God's given him, and he's got 10,000 men. We know what happens. God taps him on the shoulder again and goes, Gideon, you just aren't getting this, are you? Like, you don't need 10,000 men. Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these 10,000 men and I want you to take them down to the river and I want you to see how they drink water. Like, you got to wonder what Gideon was thinking. Like, how they drink water? Like, like, really, God? Like, okay, so watch them, right? If they, they cup water and they lap water like a dog looking around, those are your men. Again, through an act of obedience, we see Gideon. He takes the men down to the river. You know this story. He ends up with 300 men. Now God says, now you're ready. Now you're ready, Gideon. You finally got it. Now what's really interesting here is we see Gideon taking this before the Lord. In Scripture, it reads, Gideon gets down on his knee and he says, God, show me what you want me to do. He goes before God and he goes, tell me what you want me to do. How, how am I going to win this war? Right, that, that transition of human moving forward to now what God has called them with 300 men. Now you're set. Now, what's really interesting, those of you that might like some, some numbers, right, and statistics, you like all of this, it's really interesting. When Gideon had an army of 32,000 men, the ratio of, of his men to the Midianites would have been one Gideon soldier to four Midianites. So Gideon had 25% of the army that the Midianites had. Okay, you know, possibly, right, outmaneuver, outsmart the enemy. Very plausible that you could probably win. But when Gideon ends up with 300 men that God sets before him, the ratio was one Gideon to 450 Midianites. From a human perspective, Gideon's got to be going, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. How is that possible that I can win this battle that you've called me to? But we see Gideon, again, his act of obedience following what God's given him. Now, friends, I believe that God gave Gideon this, this, this elaborate war plan. 
oh, with some really great weaponry, right? Gideon goes, here's what we're going to do, men. Boy, we got some great weapons, right? We're going to throw all of that weaponry and all that hardware away. We're just going to use some, some household items. Like, we're going to use some pitchers. We're going to use some uh, trumpets. We're going we're gonna to use a torch. We're, gonna, we're just, we're just going to use some, some other stuff. Like, we don't, we don't need these weapons, can you imagine if you were one of Gideon's soldiers having these makeshift weapons? The, the strategy is so, so simple, right? But what do you think the men are thinking? Like, how are we going to win this battle? It's impossible. Why? Why? Friends, I have to tell you, Julian and I, in our journey, we're learning some really important things. And one of the, the big lessons that God is teaching us is that he does not call us to do hard stuff, but he calls us rather to do the impossible. But when we are obedient to him, I believe he, he outsources us and, and he f- takes care of every need and puts the plans together, even though it doesn't make any sense. But when, when we are obedient to him, regardless of how crazy the plan seems we have to trust him. It's battle day. It's really interesting as you study this portion of scripture. The battle takes place at midnight. I, I, I looked at that and I'm going, the battle at midnight? Like, why, why in the world would the battle be happening at midnight? A couple, couple different things as you study this portion of Scripture. We learn that the Midianites had three changes of guards that were guarding the camp. One of the guard changes happened to be at the hour of midnight. The second thing that's very interesting is when you do research about when we sleep the deepest, like we're, we're in that REM cycle of sleep, it's normally, for most of us, between the hours of midnight and 2 a.m. Now you say, what, what's so significant about that? Well, think about that. So you're, you're a guard, right? You're, you're watching the camp. You're, you're a soldier, and you have to wake up at midnight and go relieve the previous guard. But it's your, your, your deepest hour of sleep, midnight to 2 a.m. Is it just coincidence that, that right, the guards, uh, guards are changing, you're, you're sleepy, you're maybe a little droggy, but Gideon chose to attack at midnight. He gathers his men together. I can, I can hear this, right, and, and visualize this in my head. He goes, okay, guys, here we are, 300 men that are standing there. Again, there used to be an army of 32,000 men, but now there's 300. And Gideon goes, here's what we're going to do, right? So here's your weapons. I want you to blow the trumpet. I want you to break the jar. And then I want you to light the torch. Oh, and just for good measure, let's yell, Crazy battle plan, right, that, that Gideon put together. But it's all God's perfect timing, right? Every single detail we learn. But we know that the battle wasn't won there and then. It was won on Gideon's knees, taking it before for God, listening to him, being obedient to him, using what God had asked him to use. We know the, the, the rest of the story, right? Victory belongs to the Israelites. The Midianites turn on themselves. The entire Midianite army is destroyed. 
Friends, I want you to to think about every step of that obedient journey that Gideon was on. Julian and I are on that um, obedient journey that God has set before us to, to go to a country and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to people groups who perhaps otherwise will never know. When you stop at our, our table later and you pick up one of our prayer cards, you'll see something interesting. We've used the word obedient. The word obedient, even though it's the theme that God laid in our heart, is a really interesting word. When you look at the word obedient, there's a little two-letter word inside that word obedient. It's the word be. Be obedient. It's so simple, right? Right inside the word, it says be obedient in, in whatever it is, wherever it is that you're going. It, it's so simple, right, that God would lay that on our hearts. Friends, we believe that God has, has called us, although I will, with all transparency, tell you, some mornings we wake up and we say, really, did did." Is this really what God wants? We, we have lots of conversations going, oh, right? We, we pledge that no matter when God called us and where God called us, that we would go, that we would heed the call. But I have to tell you, friends, when that call came, it became really real. Like, we like our jobs. We like our security of, of a retirement plan and having a paycheck and having family and friends really close to us. But friends, we've got we to obey and be obedient to that call. I'm not sure what God might be calling you to. I believe that this message was laid in my heart for, for someone here today. I, I don't know where you're at, what's happening in your life. But I believe that God is speaking to someone this morning. And he, he's calling you to be obedient. Maybe it's to be obedient to help that, that neighbor across the street that you just go, oh, that guy, he just really bugs me, right? I'm not going to help him, right? Or maybe God's calling you to a new job. Or what if, what if God were actually calling you to the ministry? Or to be a missionary? Would you be obedient? Oh, um, no, 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 Todd, like, um, he wouldn't be calling me. I'm too old or I'm too this. Or, you know what, be careful what you ask for because when God calls you to obedience, you must listen to him. Are you listening to what he might be calling you to? You see, I believe God calls us to different places at different times. I don't, I don't know what's happening in your life. But friends, we just, we, we pray for you. We were praying as we were driving over this morning. Said, God, just cause, cause the people to have open ears and hearts to receive whatever obedience God might be calling them to. Friends, as, as we're on our journey, we frequently get asked, well, what, what can I do for, for you? How can I help you? What, 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 what do you need from us? Friends, we say three simple, no, they're not simple things. They're the three things that require obedience on your behalf. We say, friends, pray for us. We are going to a country that is on the United States do not travel to list. In fact, we subscribe to a bunch of new services and just a Three weeks ago, we woke up one morning, read my email, whoa, the city that we're going to live in, 19 people killed, grenades dropped, bombs dropped. Friends, pray for our safety and, our, and wisdom that God will direct our every path and that he'll open the hearts and the minds of, of people to receive him. Second, 
Friends, we're, we're making some things up along the way. This is our first um, itineration, right? First time we're going to be long-term missionaries in a country. So we just make stuff up along the way, right? And, and one of the things that we made up is to partner with us through what we're calling, calling an encouragement partnership. And you say, what in the world is that? How, friends, it's, 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 it's pretty simple, but again, it requires obedience Remember us with a card on our birthdays or anniversary or that email of encouragement somewhere along the way. If you, if you mail a card, just mail it four months in advance. True story. Uh, we have a friend that we know that's there. And in October of last year, we mailed a Thanksgiving card thinking that it would get there in plenty of time for Thanksgiving. I remember the day. It was February 26th. Her name is Anna. She sent, a, I think, a personal message to my wife, Julene, and said, hey, thanks for the card. And I said, Julene, like, what kind of card did you send her? It was the Thanksgiving card four months later. Crazy, right? Life will be different. So encourage us along our journey. And third, friends, if, if God is calling you to be obedient, we ask that you consider helping us with a monthly financial support to our ministry. As we go to Burundi and, and we serve there, we won't have a job. We won't have paychecks. We have to rely on you, our, our, our church family, the big C church, to help support us along the way. And if God's calling you to that, we'd love to talk to you after service because we can't go and we can't fulfill the mission that God's called us to until we have our budget met. Friends, I don't, I don't know where God has you this morning and what he's calling you to obedience. So we're being obedient and, and we're heeding the call that God set before us to go to full-time ministry, even though, as I said, we wake up some mornings and we go, what are we thinking? God will go anywhere, but don't send us to Africa, right? And we're scheduled to go to Africa. Friends, our prayer for you today is that you be obedient to God in whatever he might call you to and wherever he might be leading you. Even though it might seem crazy and it might seem so odd, God's got a perfect plan if you'll only be obedient to his calling. Bow your heart with me this morning as we close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you, Father for opening hearts to receive the word that you've given me. Father, you know the hearts of, the, of your people here. Father, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would minister, that you would guard their every word and their, their every heart, encourage them along their journey through an act of obedience that you might call us to. Father, we, we pray your richest blessing upon your people, and we thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen.